0: I think the pandemic has been apocalyptic and unveiling in many ways because of what it has taught us about, you know, some of the systemic injustices in our society. But also, I think it's taught us some of the problems we've had in our own communities.
1: Welcome to All God's Children. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go and talk about that taboo trinity. Race, religion, religion. And politics. Thank you for joining the Raceless Gospel Podcast, where word meets flesh, and where we gather to talk about the sticks and stones that break the skin and bones of the body of Christ and the structure of a church service. I am your host and podcast pastor, Starlet Thomas. Season three of the Raceless Gospel Podcast is brought to you in part by the CBF Podcast, Since 2016, the CBF podcast has delivered over 300 episodes of interviews with thinkers, authors, theologians, creatives, and practitioners for conversations that matter. These critical and innovative conversations have garnered weekly support from around the world. The CBF podcast tries to cultivate healthy and diverse theological dialogue in a culture fraught with division. Stream and subscribe to the CBF podcast on Apple, Google, Amazon, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast platforms. Learn more at cbf.net slash podcasts. On today's podcast, I am joined by Brian Kaler, editor and president of Word and Way. We will discuss the body language of the North American church that is costing us an arm and a leg. But first, won't you pray for us? And do pray with me. God in flesh, in skin and bones, in arms outstretched on a cross because you became enmeshed in human affairs. What a tangled crown of thorns we weave. Forgive us for asking for your help and then withdrawing support, for denying our need for you, for calling you the problem, for scapegoating, for blame shifting, for enriching ourselves from your suffering for dismissing the cost of our betrayal, for turning a blind eye to injustice, and making your good news unrecognizable to the impoverished and marginalized, for going along so that we could get on with our lives. There is not much difference between us and those first disciples, not too much distance between us and them, though capitalism thrives on our divisions. We confess that we are distant, disconnected, detached from experiencing, from knowing the feeling of all our members. Instead, we feign that we have it together, that we are all in this body together on classist, gendered, hyper-politicized, and segregated Sunday mornings as if you are not God in the flesh, as if this is not your body and you cannot tell the difference. Remind us that the cost of discipleship is not an arm and a leg. Amen. In the Pentecostal Holiness Church tradition that I came to the Christian faith in, during the worship service, members stood up and gave a brief testimony about the Lord's work in their lives, which most often began First, giving honor to God, who is the head of my life, to the pastor, visitors, saints, and friends. That introduction aimed to acknowledge all those in attendance. We gave honor where it was due except we only honored those who followed our rules, who showed up on Sunday mornings, dressed as they had been told to, and equally important, who sat in their assigned pew. How we treated persons who were not members of our fellowship, well, now that, that was a different testimony. We cut people off if they did not become Christians after a couple of Sundays. If we found out that a member had started smoking or drinking, if she got pregnant, if he missed too many Sundays, they had backslidden. They had offended the body and needed to be cut out, cut off as if a bad part. Treated as lost, they were not worth looking for, but always worth saving. They would have to get saved again. But really... They were being required to ask for our forgiveness, not God's. I wonder what this requirement cost us. Our scripture reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12. The New Revised Standard Version translates Paul's words this way. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. This is the word of God, for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is Reverend Starlet Thomas, your podcast pastor, and we'll be right back. I'm Wanda Hardy-Kidd. I'm a retired campus minister in my late 60s, living in North Carolina. A couple of years ago, burdened by grief, I left home, alone, a road trip, just me, my truck camper, and a broken spirit. But I found healing in my desert wanderings. This June, join me for the journey again. 30 episodes, a short one each day. Journey Through the Desert from me, Wanda Hardy Kid, and Good Faith Media. This is Reverend Starlet Thomas, welcoming you back to this episode of the Raceless Gospel Podcast. I want to introduce to some and present again to others Brian Kaler, who is also an author and award-winning podcaster. For today's sermon, we will engage in the tradition of call and response as sacred back and forth. Feel free to join in as official members of the Amen Corner. Pray for us as we discuss the North American church's body language. All right, so let the preaching begin. The first question is this. Here is the church. Here is the steeple. Open the doors, but where are the people? Uh, during the pandemic, there has been a mass exodus from the church in North America. What is the meaning of this decline in church attendance? What say you?
0: Well, in many ways, I think we still have to wait and see where it's all going to settle. Because there are a lot of people who are missing from our pews, but might be watching virtually. Or if they're not watching our church virtually, they're, they've joined some other body virtually And some won't come back, but at this point, I think it's still too soon to know where people are. And it really is shaking up this idea of what does it mean to be part of a church? I know of churches that have members that are joining virtually, trying to figure out how to do a baptism with someone who lives in another community because they got engaged with the congregation over the internet over the last two
1: years. What about those who have had a crisis of faith during the pandemic and they've decided this might not be the sacred space I need?
0: Yeah, for some, there's the option that they could find another community and others have tuned out. And maybe I think in the pandemic, some people have been sitting at home on Sunday and realizing that life really didn't change that much, that they weren't missing something. And I think that that is, you know, I think it's one of the dangers that some pastors had early on. We had pastors who didn't want to close their doors. And and some people would would say that, oh, they just wanted the the tithes. They just wanted the, the people to show up and give their money. And I don't think that was the reason because. Honestly, we've seen that, that giving really didn't decline for most churches. Online giving options, people were faithful. In fact, for the first year of the pandemic in 2020, in fact, giving actually went up in a lot of ways because people kind of rallied to the crisis moment. But I think it's not that there were pastors that were worried about the giving, the offering. I think they were worried that if people got out of the habit of showing up, that they wouldn't come back, that it, it, once you can break away from the threat and the feelings of guilt that you're not there, once you can get out of that, then the only reason you show up isn't because you're feeling guilty if you don't. It's because
1: it's actually meaningful for your life. Which is probably better for us all in terms of our faith and its practice. So often referred to as the body of Christ, what in your estimation is costing the church in North America an arm and a leg?
0: You know, I think the pandemic has been apocalyptic and unveiling in many ways because of what it has taught us about you know some of the systemic injustices in our society but also i think it's taught us some of the problems we've had in our own communities the fact is that many of our houses of worship were completely willing to just chop off an arm or leg or chop off part of their body parts because they didn't take the pandemic seriously they weren't as concerned for the health of their community, as much as some secular businesses were. I mean, you know, we had we had congregations that were, were meeting even when there weren't no other mass gatherings, demanding religious exemptions, even though the virus doesn't care if you're singing a Christian song or a secular song. It doesn't care if it's a religious gathering or a secular gathering. It doesn't fly through the air and see the church door and says, oh, I'm going to head on down the street to the bar. And so early in the pandemic, especially, there was statistical correlation between people who are Christians and attend church and whether or not you were getting COVID. So we were holding these super spreader events, not, not just harming literally the bodies of our members, but also I think the overall body, because we've had a lot of people that for health reasons, you know, needed to not come or they, they need masking and masks became political even in churches, and I think that just as we've seen that COVID hasn't infected and attacked the lungs of millions of people around the world, it's attacked the lungs of the churches as well as we've had our pastors that have continued to tell people that you just need to have faith and show up. Uh, and, and instead of uh, you know, saying, let's take a minute, let's take a pause, let's love our community, let's love our neighbors, and sometimes that means by not, sh- not showing up together.
1: I guess what has stunned me is our our devotion to the building when we call ourselves the body of christ that we we don't have any we don't have we don't seem to want to practice this embodied theology that we cannot do it unless we go and sit in a pew. I think that's been the most disappointing for me. I thought we'd be able to do it well because we have this we had this other metaphor that we could live into uh, and even calling ourselves the body of Christ didn't as you mentioned didn't warrant the decision for us to want to save anyone but ourselves i think that was the most disorienting and disappointing revelation for me
0: it is and it's disappointing because so early on in the pandemic i was talking to a religious studies professor does some sociology and history and and we were talking about the the last major pandemic the the flu pandemic 1918 to 1920 And he had gone through some of the archives, including archives of Word of Way, because we existed then, and looking at how churches were talking about that pandemic. And they would take a break from worship anytime there were these big spikes. And it it was like what we've been experiencing. They have these multiple waves and surges. And they're wearing masks at denominational meetings. But when they took a break from Sunday worship in 1918 to 1920, they took a break. I mean, they didn't have virtual church. I mean, in so many ways, Like we had it so much easier that we could still gather on Zoom for, you know, Sunday school and on Facebook Live for worship. You know, we had all these ways to connect. But back then you see the churches are saying, hey, you know, read some Bible verses, sing some songs, just stay home with your family. And and there's that sense of that the body is more than what happens in the building, that the church is more than the building itself. And somehow we've lost that, I think, in some significant ways over the last century.
1: So well said. I also was stunned at the fact that we're kind of um, driven to a Sunday morning religion. It is just the performance for that particular day that we could have it no other way. And that we, would will, we were willing to do whatever we needed to do to get back into the building, uh, no matter whose body was impacted. I just thought, uh, what a stunning thing to say um, as the suffering body of Christ. So in your, uh, where, where, where do we, or what do we lose in the absence of these members? Because there are people that are not coming back because they died. Um, uh, what do we lose in the absence of these members? And where do we, as the body of Christ, where will we feel that? because um, so often we count uh, bricks, butts and budgets. Right. But I really want to know what do, where do we ache? Where were we pain in the body?
0: Yeah, It'll be interesting when all of this settles down to see who stayed and who left. And I think it's going to change the nature, particularly of some churches. I think congregations that took the pandemic less seriously will find a certain segment of their church, those that those that took the pandemic seriously, those who were willing to listen to the science, who were willing to listen to medical authorities. And when that block walks out of a congregation, then that changes the nature of that congregation in some really significant ways. And I think that those churches are going to be weaker for it by losing the people that are willing to take seriously the medical insights and wisdom that we have. People who are willing to think about what does it mean to love our neighbor more than just saying, hey, do you know about Jesus in an evangelistic sort of way, but actually practicing the love, which is in that, which is what that parable is all about. When Jesus talks about who is, you know, here's who your neighbor is. It's not about telling the person about how they can get to heaven. It's about actually meeting their physical needs so they don't die. Sometimes that means taking care of people. Sometimes that means staying six feet away and wearing a mask.
1: Go ahead and preach. <laughs> uh, and I'll let the church say amen right there. I, I, um, and often in conversations with persons who have stepped away from the church in order to be closer to Jesus, they feel like uh, because this this use of faith to deny reality has had such an, an impact on them that they just can't, they can't sit in a space where millions of people are dying and persons say, you know, preach this toxic positivity. Um, So what can we learn? And they're going to pull away and they're likely not going to come back. What can we learn about our faith um, in, by, and through their absence? How will their absence speak to us as a body of Christ?
0: Well, I I guess, I mean, the real question is, you know, will we listen? You know, their Mm. their absence is speaking, but I'm just, I'm, I'm not convinced that many congregations, there are some, but they are ones who have taken this pandemic seriously. I'm not convinced that a lot of congregations we'll listen we'll get the rhetoric mm. the, they they left us because they were not really part of us right we'll we'll spiritualize it we'll blame the victim we'll blame those that left and so you know it's it's hard to hear what's being said by their absence if we're not willing to actually listen and i think if the pandemic has taught us nothing about the the state of american christianity it's that, that we're not willing to listen
1: We're not willing to
0: listen to other perspectives. We're not willing to listen to wisdom. And, you know, we're just not willing to listen. So I don't know. I guess I'm I'm not sure. I'm not convinced that many churches are actually going to, unfortunately, learn much by the
1: absence. So do you think they would see those persons as dead weight? Like, like, we don't need you anyway. Like, how did we get get to us?
0: They left, right? And so they left the faith, not that we did anything wrong. That they left, they left us and therefore they left Jesus.
1: Right.
0: As opposed to suggesting that maybe
1: Jesus ain't here either. <laughs> Jesus has left the building. Shout out to my friends. Um, but that's not, those are not the only people that are leaving though. Uh, calling it quits. Some pastors are also leaving the Christian ministry. They're not forced out. They've not been fired. Um I want to know what you think some pastors might be feeling. Why is answering the call to ministry no longer appealing? I, I don't
0: have enough fingers to count how many pastors <laughs> I know. Yes, it, sir. During the pandemic that I that I personally know, not just people I've heard about, that I actually know in person. And, and a few of them have moved to another ministry role, generally not a church, you know, moved into a different ministry role. And, and others have just left ministry altogether, (sighs) real estate, counseling, other types of, you know, you know, opportunities to, to support their family. And it, I don't think that a lot of people in the pews appreciate how much this pandemic has been a stressor on pastors. Uh, They have been hit by every side. Uh, Any decision they made, they were being accused of being political, you know, simple decisions like, do we gather for worship this Sunday? Uh, Do we follow the law? Or if there's not a law because our local or state officials are, you know, too cowardly to actually do anything themselves, then that what that has meant is that, you know, so I live in Missouri, we had very few state rules, you know, governing houses of worship and most local communities also didn't have that meant every single pastor had to make the decision that our politicians were unwilling to do so the politicians right. passed the buck to our pastors and then they would get hit if they would do the right thing if they would say let's mask because that's what we do when there's a virus coming out of our mouths i mean jesus warns about you know what comes out of the mouth being dangerous you know, within our text, but you know, pastors have been beat up on social media and phone calls and emails. I've seen some of the messages from some of them that they're receiving. It has been so politicized that even doing the spiritual work has been something that they've been attacked for. And so, I mean, it's not surprising that we see so many ministers that have quit and have left the ministry because of the pandemic and during the pandemic. The question then is, what does that mean for the church moving forward? Right. I mean, we've lost some really good ministers during this time, and, and they're not coming back. And no, so sir. We're left with, and we, there are a lot of great ministers who are doing the hard work, but we're losing a lot of good ministers too. And that is going to impact the state of the church, and it's going to make it harder for churches to find good ministers because there's not as many of them as there were just a couple of years ago.
1: I mean, what can—I mean— we talked about how they would blame those who left because they wanted to, a closer walk with Jesus because they felt like the church's body politic wasn't aligning with their faith profession. How are we going to justify the minister leaving? I've been preaching for almost 20 years. I got called to ministry when I was 17 years old. Do you know what it takes for someone to deny a call? To deny, to walk away from it. <laughs> you, I, the amount of, 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 of harm, of trauma you have to to put on a pastor. And I've been one and you go through it. Um, I can't imagine what was said or done that would push them to, to walk away, to feign deafness and to, and to make no claim to, for the gospel. You have to have done something pretty awful um, over a period of time. And I think, and that for me is, is deeply troubling. I, the, way it, the ways in which the church has, has its witnessed during the pandemic, um, it continues to astonish me. I thought this was gonna rally us together. I've, really did. I thought we were going to say something like the virus is not a respecter of persons, right? And that we were going to be reconciled. And this was a unifying moment. This was a come to Jesus moment. And I, I I don't know why I was so confident, you know, <laughs> maybe it's because of the tradition I was raised in. Uh, but I was very much confident, like this is the time, this is the moment, we're going to do it. And we didn't. And not only did we fail those um, who are seeking God adamantly and see- seeking to follow Jesus more closely, but we failed ministers who have devoted their lives to it. And I don't know if I'll get over that either. Um, I have friends who had heart attacks during the pandemic, um, who had serious health challenges, who lost parents during the pandemic and and were forced to continue working. And they just couldn't believe they were being forced to choose. And so they made a decision they probably didn't think they were gonna make when we were in seminary, Uh, which is to say, I quit. I will never get over that.
0: I mean, we've had, Nearly a million people recorded, probably more than a million just in the United States that have died from COVID in the last two years. And there's still a number of people in our country. And if we look at the polling, particularly in white evangelical churches that don't even think COVID's real, like, like a million people just disappear. I mean, it's like, I don't know, it's like they were raptured rapture or something. They were raptured. So, they were caught up. They just people just disappeared and there's <sighs> nothing happening. I mean, if if we can't even get to like the basic idea that COVID is real and deadly, then we're not going to have a, a place where we can have grace or pity or mercy Sir. on our pastors who are leaving ministry or still there in the trenches dealing with it every mm-hmm. single day. I mean, it, it, it comes back to what we've, what we've been seeing for, for decades now in our country in that partisan politics is the indicator of yeah. what it's a, party ID is our religion. I mean, four decades ago, if your pastor said something that disagreed with your party politics, you would change your politics. And now when this is pre-COVID research, when your pastor said something now, Robert Putnam, David Campbell have done this research, that, that you were more likely to change your church than your politics. Or if there was enough of you in the church, you could just change your minister.
1: I was getting ready to church. say it's about to be a
0: church business meeting. Right. And then you, <laughs> COVID has just been all of this on steroids. And so it's, it's politics first. And the pastors are only tolerated if they're willing to toe the party line. And oh, I'm Lord. afraid it's only going to get worse.
1: What is it to say of the church when we can't even agree on reality? I just... (laughs) uh, We're supposed to be people who speak the truth. Come on. Uh, Last question for you, last question. Presently, what is is the body language of the church in North America? And what message should we be sending? I wanna leave us with a bit of hope, with a bit of faith. Um, What can we do? What can we say differently?
0: You asked me for hope. Uh, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a prayer request.
0: <laughs> you know, we, we have spent the last two years making snap judgments about people the moment they walk in a room. I mean, all of us have worn politics on our mouth, uh, either, either by wearing a mask or by not having yeah. a mask. The moment you walk in the room, you have been making very significant political statements. And this has been in our churches. Uh, it has been in the congregations that required masking and then some people are upset and either don't come or they want to come and they, they, you know, put it down past their nose and, you know, or just take it off, uh, you know, or the congregations that don't require and some people wear it and people kind of look at them like they're a little odd or the congregations that have, you know. Mask seating over here and unmasked seating over there, as if it's not all the same air and, you know, this, the segregation in the sanctuary, you know, I mean, so we have been spending the last two years looking at each other with suspicion. Yeah. And that's not something that we can just undo right away. I mean, I, I, I'm still feeling it. I mean, the pandemic is not completely over. It's obviously a lot better. We're in a little bit of a lull. And when, when I go somewhere, there's, you know, more than like six people around me. I, I mean, it's like, Whoa, what happened? I mean, I, I feel like a, a, a really super introvert now uh, that I just, you know, it's just, it feels different. It feels weird. And that's going to take some time. And I think that we need to figure out how do we get back to that place where we can look at each other without immediately making those snap judgments about this person's this politics and this person's that. And how can we actually have common ground and not yell at person be- someone because they are or are not wearing something? I mean, so, I mean, I, I am hopeful that as the pandemic wraps up eventually that that we will be able to get out of this intense moment. But the question is, how much work are we willing to do from what we've learned in the intensity of this that's right or are we just going to shrug and say oh well i'm glad that was over now we just gotta move forward i mean we have hard work to do if we're willing to pay attention and i I mean i hope we are i pray that churches will lead that effort Uh, but i'm i'm not as as hopeful as i want to be that we are willing to do the hard work to to fix the problems that we saw that we should have learned during this pandemic.
1: So well said. Masks on or masks off. That was its own kind of body language. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Thank you for your time, Brian. Thank you. Appreciate you, sir. want to thank our guest, Brian Kaler, and extend to you, our listeners, an opportunity to know this Jesus who embodies love, which cost him an arm and a leg. The Raceless Gospel Podcast Season 3 is brought to you by Good Faith Media. You can support our work and witness by making a tax-deductible contribution to Good Faith Media at goodfaithmedia.org. This concludes this episode of the podcast, but not the conversation. Let's keep watching our body language. Head over to our Fellowship Hour at Raceless Gospel Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and Raceless Gosp Pod on Twitter. Absent in the body, but present in the Wi-Fi spirit. I'll see you there. On next week's episode of the Raceless Gospel Podcast... We'll hear from Alyssa Aldape and talk about who the North American Church gives the cold shoulder. Season three of the Raceless Gospel Podcast is brought to you in part by the CBF Podcast. Since 2016, the CBF Podcast has delivered over 300 episodes of interviews with thinkers, authors, theologians, creatives, and practitioners for conversations that matter. These critical and innovative conversations have garnered weekly support from around the world. The CBF podcast tries to cultivate healthy and diverse theological dialogue and a culture fraught with division. Stream and subscribe to the CBF podcast on Apple, Google, Amazon, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast platforms. Learn more at cbf.net slash podcasts.